Hello. In today's show, a global deal to help get rid of plastic waste, a call for a COVID ceasefire in Myanmar, how more efficient food production could help solve a global hunger crisis, and positive coronavirus vaccine developments in Africa. All this and more in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson, and Solange behatege cortez Thanks for listening. Let's start with the news. Here's Katie Dartford. This is the news in brief from the United Nations. Inefficient global food production is at the root of a huge rise in hunger and one-third of all emissions, UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has warned in a call to transform food systems for sustainable development. Up to 118 million people faced hunger in 2020, as many as 161 million more than in 2019, Mr Guterres said at the preparation meeting for the UN Food Systems Summit in Rome beginning Monday. Pointing to the disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, the UN chief added that 3 billion people cannot afford to eat healthily either. Echoing those concerns and urging action, UN Deputy Secretary-General Amina Mohamed welcomed the fact that 145 countries had approached youth, farmers, indigenous peoples and others for sustainable ideas ahead of September's food summit in New York. We must work country by country, region by region, community by community to ensure the diversity of needs are addressed to support each reality. The same applies for our food systems and the changes that are required so that we feed the world without starving the planet of its future. Some good news from Africa now, where COVID-19 vaccine shipments have ramped up after a near halt to deliveries in recent months. According to the World Health Organization, nearly 4 million doses of coronavirus vaccines from the UN-partnered COVAX initiative arrived in Africa last week, compared with just 245,000 for all of June. In total, almost 79 million COVID-19 vaccine doses have reached Africa and 21 million people, or just 1.6% of Africa's population, are fully vaccinated. Staying with the coronavirus and COVID-19 infections rose 8% last week to more than 3.8 million, and the number of new deaths increased in all regions apart from Europe, according to the WHO. Latest data from the UN Health Agency pointed to a substantial uptick in infections in the Americas and the Western Pacific, or the four COVID-19 mutations that the WHO's designated variants of concern. The Alpha variant is now present in 182 countries, the beta strain in 131, Gamma in 81 and the Delta variant is in 132 countries. The UN independent expert on Myanmar has called for a COVID ceasefire on healthcare workers as infections and deaths soar. The special rapporteur Tom Andrews alleged on Tuesday that junta forces had committed 260 attacks against medical personnel and facilities, causing at least 18 deaths. Meanwhile, more than 600 healthcare professionals are eluding arrest warrants and at least 67 have been detained, Mr Andrews said in a statement. Katie Dartford, UN News. The headlines there, and this is UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Now to this week's interview, which was inspired by a photo exhibition on the shores of beautiful Lake Geneva, on a not-so-beautiful topic, plastic waste. The images on display show just how invasive this trash has become. It is everywhere, but that could be a thing of the past thanks to the Basel Convention and a new legally binding international pact by 180 countries to process their plastic waste more sustainably than ever before. For more on this, I spoke to photo competition finalist Sienna Goldstein and first Rolf Paye, head of the Basel Convention, which organised the Plastic is Forever exhibition. Here he is explaining what the new plastic waste deal means in practice. 
what the agreement means for those countries is that countries cannot just ship any type of plastic that they want to. They cannot mix it with anything else. And also they have to declare it, which means that it has to go through what we call a prior informed consent, which means if country A is sending plastic waste to country B, it has to notify this country of the shipment, what kind of plastic and the state of the plastic, and also have the assurance from country B that this country has the ability to recycle or manage this plastic in a sound environmental manner and not really throw it in the landfill or throw it in the ocean. Overall, as you can see, we've kind of made the system more transparent and more visible and as a result, reduce the amount of plastics that goes into the ocean. Thank you, Rolf. Now, you're speaking to me from the Seychelles, which is where a photo by Sienna Goldstein was also taken for this exhibition. It shows a gorgeous beach at sunset where there's lots of plastic litter. Sienna, hi. Why did you choose this photo? Well, I think it really highlights how rubbish can spoil a scene, especially one that's so beautiful, full of nature, and especially in such a small like island where we're just surrounded by nature constantly. It really shows how we are impacted by plastic waste. And I wanted to raise awareness about that, especially when a lot of people don't see it happening. You say people don't see it happening. I mean, presumably it's just cleared up this waste, but then the same littering happens again. Obviously, it's a terrible shame. But do you think you're representative of your friends? How old are you, Sienna? I'm 15, just recently. And do your friends feel as cross as you do about seeing this plastic waste all over the place? Yes, definitely. We usually actually do beach cleanups a lot. And sometimes when we're going out and we take a plastic bag with us to the beach and pick stuff up because it's really, really horrible seeing an environment that once, like when we were younger, you didn't really see as much plastic waste. And it's quite sad, actually, to see that this could be our future. Do you think that this plastic waste amendment agreement is going to have a real impact on the state of your beaches in the beautiful Seychelles? I think so. But the only problem with Seychelles is we don't really have a huge recycling system. It's not, or at least it's not known by many. So I think we first need to work on developing a recycling um, system and educating people on how to recycle, setting up bins with the different sections around the Seychelles, and then we can see some impact. Rolf, I'm going to turn to you quickly. Is that music to your ears to hear somebody so energised and passionate about cleaning up the planet? No, it's not. I mean, it's, uh, I share the same view. I mean, uh, the same concern as well. In fact, Seychelles is a small island, and with recycling, you need to have a certain level of economies of scale. And that is why the Basel Convention allows the transboundary movement of these types of waste. What Seychelles needs to do is to sort the plastic waste out, package them, compress them, and send it to a proper recycling center, either in the region and elsewhere. Now, they do have arrangements, as far as I know, the government of Seychelles, and the companies operating here do have arrangements for sending those waste. And of course, at the national level, I think there needs to be tougher measures for encouraging people to recycle, separate their plastic waste, so that the recyclers themselves can have these economies of scale, you know? So it's really on the consumer end and the household end that I think a lot of work needs to be done. Back to you, Sienna, quickly. Did you know that the United States hasn't signed this uh, plastic waste amendment? What do you think it's going to take for other countries and big polluters to sign? How are you going to convince them? If you had a message to them, what would you say? 
Well, I think that, especially since it's the United States, they produce so much rubbish and so much products for the rest of the world, that maybe we need to do some sort of protest or petition to show them how we feel about it. Because only when you feel the pressure on you, I think you will start to change and see what you're doing wrong. So maybe all the other countries need to come together and say, well, you are producing all these plastics, you bought it to our countries, you have to do this also. Now, we've spoken about your photograph, but have you seen any other photographs from the exhibition on plastic waste that's been taking place in Geneva? Have you seen any other photos in this exhibition that have really hit home with you just how bad the plastic waste problem is? Yes, me and my mom looked at the exhibition and it really amazed me because I live in a small island But I did grow up in South Africa, so I did see rubbish all around me a lot. Not as much, though, as I've seen in, like, Indonesia, in Ghana, in Bangladesh. I saw those photos and it really shocked me. And Rolf, I wonder quickly, finally, to you if we're not approaching this with enough urgency. Um, I was talking to the UN's disaster relief chief the other day and she was saying that this is the kind of problem that politicians don't really want to get involved with because it's a long-term sort of problem. Isn't plastic the same? I mean, how do you change the mentality about it being a really urgent problem that we should fix? Okay, as you know, politicians are already focusing on development issues. And when it comes to the plastics issue, it fits within the sustainable development agenda, the 2030 agenda. And for me, the time is now. We need to act now. And there is political will now. And I think we will come out with something even more stronger in the next few years. Rolf Paillet from the Basel Convention with insight on what the international community is doing to stop so much plastic going into landfills and the sea. And, of course, the inspiring Sienna Goldstein before him on what she and her friends are doing to help keep beaches plastic-free. Thanks to them both. Now let me turn to the show's regular guest, Solange Berhategui Cortez, for some closing thoughts. I should say, Solange, that you're joining us even though you're on holiday. Now that's what I call commitment. Listening to Rolf and Sienna talk about the planet's plastic crisis from very different angles just now, I wonder, what's your take? Hola, Daniel. Well, because of COVID, I'm staying in Geneva, exploring Switzerland and catching up on some reading. And at the beginning of T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, the poet asks, what are the roots that clutch? What branches grow out of this stony rubbish? Literature is full of waste, you know. The process of writing makes this unavoidable. Just look at any handwritten transcript. I saw the exhibition in Geneva. I found the title, Plastic is Forever, disturbing. Plastic never fully disappears. It takes between 20 and 500 years for plastic to break up into tiny pieces, microplastics. The 21 photographs of the exhibition gives us a powerful insight of plastic waste in different countries and continents. They are a testimony that many of these tiny plastic particles are swallowed by farm animals or fish who mistake them for food, which then find their way onto our dinner plates. And listen, Daniel, it has been estimated that humans ingest a credit card worth of plastic per week. Do your own calculations. You're going to be surprised. At this rate, we will become plastic ourselves. (laughs) 
While we consider this a natural situation, on the other side of the fence, as always, there are the most vulnerable, the poor swimming in plastic rivers, trying to survive. What does this tell us about our civilization? It cannot be simple, negative material. I saw Siena's picture representing how plastic can be found even in the most serene places and overshadow the beauty of a sunrise. And then there was a photo from Paula Porovija entitled Plastic Sunset. It shows the sunset seen through the hole of a plastic bag on a beach in Croatia. The beauty of her composition made me more certain than ever that plastic is not the problem per se, rather the way we deal with it. The real issue is the management and effects of waste. Waste did not simply arrive in modern times. Plastic does not miraculously appear in rivers and oceans. There is always an explanation, a reason, a responsibility, and in that sense, the Basel Convention plastic waste deal is excellent news. With 180 countries on board, no country will be treated anymore like a rubbish dump. I don't know what waste actually does in T.S. Eliot's poem, but I know we do not want to live and live to future generations a wasteland. Thank you, Solange. I echo that. I'm sure anybody, any right-thinking person would do that. And as you say, also, it's a case of managing this waste. It's not the plastic which is necessarily the problem. And over the past year, medical teams all around the world have needed their hospital gowns, gloves, masks, sanitizer bottles to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic, which has, of course, driven the production of single-use plastics to skyrocket. Please go back to your holiday. Listeners, let's let it go now. Drop us a line at the UN Geneva Facebook page, Twitter or Instagram. We hope you enjoyed the show and can join us next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, Daniel. See you next week. Hasta pronto. 